0: Hi everyone, welcome back to the History in 20 podcast. Hope we're all alright. So, today it's not going to be 20 minutes as per, it's uh, going to try and aim for 30 minutes today because we are talking about the 30 years war. So, 30 years in 20 minutes seemed a bit ambitious, so see if the extra 10 minutes can help out. So, start off, when was it? It was from the 23rd of May 1618 to the 15th of May 1648, so almost exactly for 30 years and it happened in, well, Europe as a whole, sort of, the fighting was mainly centred in Central Europe, but it was across the whole continent, and the death toll was 8 million people, which included 20% of the German population, which is pretty incredible when you think about that, it's 20% of Germany's population at the time, although a lot of the civilian deaths were down to plague, but we'll discuss that a bit later, so... For such a war to erupt over so long, what was the in inverted comma's reason for it? Well, mainly to put it simply, it was a conflict between the European Catholic and Protestant states, and it was a religious war which then developed into a case of a continental power struggle between most of the states and rulers of Europe so that's it, yeah, that's the end pretty much but <laughs> now, so we've got um Notable people who are involved, which I'll discuss throughout this podcast, we've got Ferdinand II, Frederick V, Philip III, Louis XIII, Cardinal Richelieu, Gustavus Adolphus, Philip IV, the Duke Denheim and Louis XIV, among many others. And There's a lot of notable battles, such as the Battle of White Mountain in 1620 the Battle of Brettenfeld in 1631, the Battle of Lutzen in 1632, and the Battle of Rockroy in 1643. And notable events that happened, there was the defenestration of Prague in 1618, the deposition of Ferdinand II as King of Bohemia a year later in 1619, the Edict of Restitution, 1629, the Treaty of Lubeck 1629, the Treaty of Bavald, 1631, and the Peace of Westphalia, 1648. And also, I just want to say, if there's any sort of terms you're unfamiliar with, I've actually made a little glossary on my blog post, which you can find at historyin20.blogspot.com and just search for the 30 Years War blog post. There's a glossary at the end of terms that you might be unfamiliar with. So, with that little introduction done, let's get on with it. So, as with all these sort of historical conflicts, it's hard to actually pinpoint the exact moment when or why a war started. So... For example, let's turn to the First World War. Was it Franz Ferdinand's assassination that kick the First World War? Or was it more a case of sort of increasing imperialism throughout European nations in the early 20th century, which then led to increased ideas of rhetoric and nationalism? So this sort of thing is similar with the Thirty Years' War as well. So was it the succession of the Habsburg Ferdinand II as the king of Bohemia in 1617? Was it the defenestration of Prague the following year? Or was it Frederick V's response in 1619? So again I'll try my best to sort of discuss it. So at the very beginning, we'll start we'll start in sixteen seventeen. So in sixteen seventeen, thanks to King Matthias of Bohemia's actions against religious revolt, Augsburg fell apart. So then the Bohemian crown was then handed to a Jesuit-trained member of the infamous Habsburg family, Ferdinand II, who reigned from 1617 to 37, and he also became Holy Roman Emperor in 1619. Now, the historian Simon Jenkins actually states that no succession could have been more disastrous for Europe, and we'll soon see why. So, although Ferdinand undoubtedly shared the same military enthusiasm of his cousin across the continent, Philip III of Spain, He shared this enthusiasm, but whereas the majority of Philip's subjects were Catholic, the majority of Ferdinand's Bohemian subjects were Protestant. And by spring 1618, news had reached Prague, which was the then capital of Bohemia, that Ferdinand intended to replace Bohemia's Protestant governors with Catholics. And this resulted in immediate revolt and, like I stated earlier, the defenestration of Prague on the 23rd of May 1618. So, upon hearing the news about Ferdinand replacing Bohemia's Protestant governors with Catholic ones, a delegation of Protestant Bohemian nobles entered the Radicny Castle. Apologies for any pronunciation there. Radicny Castle on twenty third of May sixteen eighteen, they threw two Habsburg governors, Jaroslav von Martinitz and Wilhelm von Salvata, up the sixth story window in the and the landing in dung heap, which actually broke their fall and was also good for propaganda at the time, obviously. Now, uh, ironically, both von Martinitz and von Salvator were protesting against recent attacks on Protestant churches, despite themselves being Catholics, and against Ferdinand's assumption of the Bohemian Throne, and against his alleged violations of the Royal Charter of Toleration of 1609. Now, this defenestration of Prague was actually a deliberate imitation of an incident almost two centuries before, when uh, seven members of the Prague City Council were actually killed by a crowd of Czech Hussites in 1419, which started the Hussite Wars, but that's a whole different ball game. So, anyway, i will move on to the... I've sort of organised it through different countries and states' responses, so i will start off chronologically with the Bohemian response and then Frederick V. So, at the time of the defenestration of Prague, Ferdinand was campaigning for the imperial election, which was the election for Holy Roman Emperor, and religious peace in Germany was sort of wavering a bit Now, the Lutheran princes were awkwardly watching as the newly formed Protestant Union, which was led by Frederick, the Elector Palatine, squared up to the Catholic League, which was led by Maximilian, Elector of Bavaria. Now, eventually these religious tension cords snapped and the Bohemian rebels invaded Vienna, which prompted a revolt in Austria. So, in 1619, upon Ferdinand's successful, successful succession to the imperial throne, the Bohemians formally deposed him as king of Bohemia and and instead elected the Calvinist Frederick in his place. So in simple terms, you've had a Catholic who was elected, Bohemians didn't like it, let's replace him with an uber-Protestant. That's what happened, so obviously that means open war. Now Frederick then became Frederick V of Bohemia in Ferdinand's place. Now as I mentioned earlier, Frederick was a Calvinist and he was actually married to Elizabeth Stuart, who was daughter of King James I of England. And she was dubbed the Jewel of Europe, and she was soon to become a lasting object of Protestant adoration. So as you can see already, we've had Bohemia, we've had Spain, and now we've got England coming in, and this is like all before 1620. So we've still got nearly 30 years left, and all these nations are already getting involved. So in response, Ferdinand then summoned Catholic monarchs and mercenaries from across Europe to wage a war of faith, a religious war, and what he viewed as his Protestant subjects. So Spain, under Philip III, Poland under Sigismund III, and the Papacy under Pope Paul V, all joined Ferdinand in the Catholic League, which Simon Jenkins refers to as an intra-European Crusader force. Now on the other hand, Frederick was backed by the Dutch Protestants, Scandinavians the French rather deviously under Louis Thirteenth, and the English half-heartedly under James I just because his daughter was married to him and he was, Frederick was his son-in-law. Now the ensuing conflict retracted the values of the Peace of Augsburg which I'll explain in a minute and showed how far one man's faith could dictate the, faith, the fate of nations. So the Peace of Augsburg was actually a treaty that was signed by then, the then Holy Roman Emperor Charles V and the Schmaldic League in September 1555. So it officially ended the religious struggle between the two aforementioned groups and made the legal division of Christianity permanent within the Holy Roman Empire, and it allowed rulers to choose either Lutheranism or Roman Catholicism as the official confession of their state. So yeah, the uh, conflict sort of did retract these values from the Peace of Augsburg less than 100 years earlier. So as I said, this meant open war, and the very first pitched battle of the Thirty Years' War was the Battle of White Mountain on the 7th of November, 1620, it was fought just outside of Prague. So Ferdinand's Catholic forces and Frederick's Protestant forces met on the battlefield, and Frederick's Protestant forces were soundly defeated by Ferdinand's Catholic forces, and the consequences were of course huge. So Ferdinand reacted to his victory with brutality, and he had 27 Bohemian leaders executed in Prague's Old Town Square. Now all of Bohemia's non-Catholic nobles had their lands confiscated and all Protestants were evicted, and the majority of whom fled west into Germany, and the Catholicisation and Germanisation of Bohemia had begun. And actually this religious cleansing then was so successful in Bohemia that to this day Bohemia still remains largely Catholic. So Frederick fled, and along with his wife Elizabeth, they both became refugees in The Hague, which is in the modern day Netherlands, And they were known for the shortness of their one-year reign as the Winter King and Queen, which sounds like something out of Game of Thrones. Uh, So after Frederick and Elizabeth had fled, their lands in the Palatine were invaded by the Spanish Netherlands and then seized by the Bavarians. So the general of the Catholic forces was a man called Count Tilly. Now he stormed Heidelberg in 1622 and then traversed northern Germany in pursuit of the Protestant forces, which were held by Count von Mansfeld. So my next sort of section, I'm going to decide it's called Pressure from the North, and it's the Scandinavian involvement. So now we're looking sort of six, circa 1620 to circa 1635. So one of the main countries involved was Denmark. So while Count Tilly was busy ravaging northern Germany, Ferdinand discovered a major problem about using mercenaries in his army, that he couldn't pay them enough he'd run out of money. So the fighting became almost like banditry, and as a result, all of Europe was dragged into it, including Denmark and Sweden. So after the Battle of White Mountain in 1620, Christian IV of Denmark, uh, he came in and entered the conflict in defence of his hard-pressed Protestant confreres. So he had to contend with a new imperialist army, which was raised by a Bohemian Catholic nobleman, Albrecht von Waldstein, or more commonly known as Albrecht von Wallenstein. 1584 to 1634, he reigned. So, the Protestant forces, which included forces from England, France, and the Netherlands, were defeated again at the Bridge of Dessau on the River Elbe in 1626. And Count von Mansfeld's Protestant forces, which Count Tilly had pursued since 1622, were then defeated at Neu near Bratislava, which is the capital of modern day Slovakia. So, Count Tilly then attacked the Protestant Netherlands with help from the Spanish under Philip III. So meanwhile, Wallenstein overran the majority of the lands on the Baltic coast, which included Brunswick, Lower Saxony, Mecklenburg, Fleissig, Holstein, Jutland, and the Baltic coast to the outskirts of Stralsund, and he declared himself generalissimo over the Baltic and the ocean seas. So then, coming in, we decide, right, time for a treaty. So, on the 6th of March 1629, the Edict of Restitution comes about, and Ferdinand ordered the Protestants to surrender all the former ecclesiastical lands acquired since the Peace of Augsburg. Now, interestingly, Wallenstein objected because his army contained many non-Catholics, and he was then dismissed. So, finally, the Treaty of Lübeck, 22nd of May 1629, was signed by Wallenstein, Christian IV, and Ferdinand II, which ended Danish involvement in the Thirty Years' War by persuading them to retire on the return of their lost possessions. So the deal really was a winner for everyone involved in the signing of the treaty, but, I mean, we're only in 1629, the war's far from over yet. So I mentioned earlier that Sweden got involved too. So Sweden entered the fray shortly after Denmark had signed the Treaty of Lübeck. And Gustavus Adolphus, who I mentioned right at the beginning, he was also known as Gustav II of Sweden, he reigned from 1611 to thirty two. He sent a contingent to hold Stralsund in northern Germany. Now fortified by the Treaty of Barvald, which was signed on 23rd January 1631, and this was an agreement by France to provide Sweden with financial support following its intervention in the Thirty Years' War, Gustavus landed in Germany with the main Swedish army and he proceeded to vigorously restore Protestant fortunes. Now the reason behind this treaty was largely thanks to the Catholic King of France, Louis Thirteenth, and his advisor, Cardinal Richelieu, as they followed French policy in siding with any foe over Habsburg, so essentially their philosophy was, my enemy's enemy is my friend, even a Protestant one. So hence King James I of England, a Protestant, even sent a small army of soldiers to the continent to support Louis XIII and Gustavus's treaty. However, the campaign did not get off to a strong start, so Gustavus failed to relieve Magdeburg before it was mercilessly sacked by the imperialists, but the Battle of Brettenfeld, which was on the 17th September 1631, crushed Count Tilly and moved into the Palatinate. And in 1632, Gustavus entered Bavaria, and Munich and Nuremberg also opened the gates to his forces. Now, the Swedish army planned to move on Vienna later in the year, so Ferdinand was forced to recall Wallenstein after he'd previously dismissed him after his objection towards the Edict of Restitution three years before. So, next is uh, the next major battle, the, which is the Battle of Lutzen, which was just over a year after Breitenfeld on the 16th of November 1632. Now, it was a furious battle, and although the Swedish forces won, Gustavus fell, so he was found under a heap of dead bodies with bullet holes in his head and a dagger thrust into his side. And similarly, following infection from a wound, Frederick V died on the 29th of November 1632. So these two catastrophes, which were less than a fortnight apart, Dashed any hopes the Protestants had of an early end to the conflict. So, the next section I decided to divide it up into and move on to is called the Western Sphere and its French involvement, which we're looking at sort of circa 1635 to 1648. So, concerned that Philip IV of Spain uh, would use the war to reunite Charles V's Spanish, and Austrian Habsburg empires, in 1635 Louis XIII and Richelieu officially declared war on Spain. Now at this point, it's not just Catholic versus Protestant, but Catholic Bourbon versus Catholic Habsburg. So France once more took the Swedish forces into their pay and invaded Alsace. So in 1636, Spanish forces reached the outskirts of Paris, but they soon realised how it could be a disadvantage having territory stationed throughout Europe, when the French threatened Spanish Flanders and sent reinforcements to the Swedes in the north. And the Protestants even invited the Ottoman Turks to attack Austria from the east. So Europe was indeed in turmoil. you are almost getting Asia involved at this point, which is incredible. So a year later, 1637, Ferdinand II dies, which initially raised hopes for an eventual peace. However... By this point the war already had a momentum of its own. It was no longer a religious war like back in Germany, as I mentioned earlier. So undisciplined mercenary troops tore principalities apart and created conflict where there was previously none before. So by 1638, French fortunes were mounting. So it was the rise of the youthful Duke Denghain, which he was called Louis II, Prince de Cond, and he was referred to by contemporary chroniclers as the finest general in Europe and he helped improve morale in the French forces. So he was aged just 21 and he took to the battlefield at Rockroy in the Ardennes against a Flemish army on the 19th of May 1643 and roundly crushed the Turquios, which were a Spanish infantry unit. And he uh, actually ended Spanish participation in the war, uh, as well as Spanish military supremacy in Pavia, which had lasted since 1525. And interestingly as well, Rockroy was also the final pitched battle of the Thirty Years' War. So this dynastic conflict between France and Spain from 1635 resulted in Louis XIV of France, because Louis XIII has died, He who reigned from 1643 to 1715. He made peace in 1648, coming about what was a belief that the Habsburgs were too powerful. So my last sort of section is called The End in Sight, which this podcast is as well, nearly. <laughs> the End in Sight, The Peace of Westphalia, 1648. So in 1643, in the immediate aftermath of Rockroy, diplomats from all parties represented, there was 109 diplomats in total, they met in two separate towns in Westphalia, Onzerbrook and Munster. Now a mystery scuttled back and forth between the sides, and they reached not just one treaty, but a series of local deals designed to roll into a collective peace, and the agreement took five years, and was eventually signed on the 15th of May 1648, bringing about a a final formal end to the Thirty Years' War. But how did this particular treaty manage this and what were the main details of it? So it was essentially a reversion to Augsburg, which I mentioned earlier, a principle of national self-determination in politics and faith. So Westphalia restored the autonomy of the German states and denied authority over them to the Holy Roman Empire. So in fact, some historians even argue that Westphalia is credited with fathering the concept of the nation state. Now, in addition, Westphalia formally accepted the reality of a Europe that had fought itself to exhaustion. So, on the religious issue, which is what this war started out as in the first place, it granted the same rights to Calvinists as it did to Lutherans and Catholics in Germany. So, on the constitutional issue, which the war devolved into throughout the 1630s, it greatly strengthened the European princes by granting them the right to sign foreign treaties by making all imperial legislation conditional on the Diet's approval. So, sort of consequences we had of this war. It'd be rude to ignore these, really, so... Start, like, try and do it country by country if I can. So, German manufacturing and trade completely collapsed while sowing and harvesting just ceased altogether. So, estimates from a third to a half of 20 million German speakers died. And a notable example is in Magdeburg, which had 20,000 inhabitants in 1620 and 450 inhabitants in 1649. So, completely decimated. Um... France also gained land deep into Germany and Alsace and the Rhine Basin. Germany itself was left ruined and it took over a century for it to recover. Now further north, Sweden arose as a northern European powerhouse gaining some north German territories along the way. So we'll fly back over to southwest Europe now. Spain was left a shattered realm. It was decoupled forever from the Holy Roman Empire. Back to the center of Europe in Bohemia, a Swedish general actually wrote home saying that I did not expect to find the kingdom so lean, wasted, and spoiled. For between Prague and Vienna, everything has been razed to the ground, and hardly a living soul can be seen on the land, which just shows exactly the state that Central Europe was in. And one of the few prosperous countries to emerge was Protestant Prussia, under the leadership of the Hohenzollern family. Hohenzollern family, sorry, of the Great Elector Frederick Wilhelm, who reigned from 1640 to 88. And sort of the, uh, the thoughts of Pope Innocent X, who was Pope from 1644 to 55, sum up the papacy's thoughts on Westphalia, although this is possibly because the papacy was unrepresented for obvious reasons. And he denounced it as null, void, invalid, iniquitous, unjust, damnable, reprobate, inane, and devoid of meaning. So I'll just put in a few afterthoughts there just to conclude this episode with. So, really, the Thirty Years' War has been called by some historians a European Civil War. Now this isn't far from the truth because almost all of the European states, at some point from 1618 to 48 were actually involved. Although clearly some were involved more than others. And another reason why this conflict is so significant as well, and widely remembered on the continent, is because of Johann Gutenberg's invention in the 15th century, the printing press. So, images of tortured civilians were widespread, and thanks to the printing press, actual depictions of the levels and scale of torture could be witnessed by civilians and not just the soldiers actively taking part in the conflict. So, that's again why it's so widely remembered and why we have so many sources on it today, which as a historian is great to see. But, yeah, and sort of uh, another view I had was the historian Norman Davies who argues that the Thirty Years' War can be seen as an age-old German conflict between emperors and princes, but that it can also be seen as an extension of the international wars of religion between Catholic and Protestant as an important stage in a continental power struggle involving most of the states and rulers of Europe. Now, personally, I'm inclined to agree with this, uh, that it initially started out as a war of religion and eventually developed into the aforementioned power struggle. So thus I think uh, a suitable conclusion would be to turn to the words of the acclaimed historian of the Thirty Years' War, Veronica Wedgwood, who wrote her sort of thesis on it in 1957, and she summarised 30 years of conflict in two sentences, and she said, the combatants wanted peace and they fought for 30 years to be sure of it. They did not learn then and have not learned since that war only breeds war. I think that's the best way to sum it up really, so I hope you enjoyed this one. Like I said, check out the uh, blog. I'll stick the link in the description. And uh, feel free to share this with your friends and family. It'd be great to have some more subscribers and viewers, viewers and stuff coming in. So thanks very much for listening once again. I'll see you next time.